Welcome to another bonus podcast. My name is Thalia, I'm one of the pastors on staff in the care department, and I am joined by Crystal, Aaron, and Sarah, but I'll get them to introduce themselves. So first you, Crystal. I'm Crystal, and I'm the pastor of women, and we had a great Christmas party last night with all the women at the Mission Campus, yeah. so that was so fun to spend mm-hmm. the evening with you guys. Yep. Hey, Miss Aaron. Hi there, I'm Erin, and um, I'm a mom, I've got three kids, and I like Christmas, it's fun. And you're involved in women's ministry yes. on Wednesday morning as a table I am. leader? Sure am. Mm-hmm. Okay, your turn, Sarah. All right, my name is Sarah Friesen. I also have three kids, they're 11, that's my daughter, and then two boys, they're nine, well, almost eight, actually, and 10. They just had birthdays. So. They'll get upset if you have the wrong I know, age. I know, I know. A 10 and an eight. That's it. <laughs> you have to get it right, Mom. Yeah. And I'm an immersed student here at Northview. So if you don't know what that is, listen to a podcast a couple months ago. Uh, end of August, <laughs> yeah. beginning of September. Yeah. And it actually helped me understand what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> it helped people believe that you were actually doing something that exactly. was real. Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, Mom, here, listen to this. And um, <laughs> yeah, and I work here, not as an official staff member, but as a volunteer part of the women's ministry team. And you said it was your dream to be in broadcasting. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> when Crystal asked me to do this podcast, I texted her back. I said, I think you you don't know this, but you're helping me fulfill a lifelong dream because I must have been like 18. Yeah. And I applied to BCIT for oh. broadcasting. And I got in, wow. but on the wait list. And by the time they said we have a spot for you, I was already on to other things. But I've always kind of liked Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. We're going to have yeah. her more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she could start hosting it. That's, this is going to be good. Over, yeah. I worked at a different church once, and they had me do all the phone calls. Like, if you would like to the speak to Pastor yes. Scott, press five. Yeah, and so I was like the voicemail oh, lady for quite a good. long time. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Before we go much further, Crystal, I have to tell you something funny. So people always get us mixed up, and we know that now. I cut my hair shorter, though, so I think that's helping a little bit. Anyways, my daughter Ava was in center court when you were emceeing last, and she had her eyes closed while you were praying. And she says, Mom, it sounded like you. Oh, she no, said the same, same things. She said you, same voice, the same way of saying things. She was a little bit creeped out. So Wait, because we you have spent evidence. so much time. I think so. We have enough evidence now. I think we have to switch <laughs> desks. We can't be sitting across from each other anymore. This baffles me. I know, it baffles me too, but when you hear it from your own daughter, you're yeah, a little bit like, to... oh, I guess I better pay attention. <laughs> yep. Anyway. Okay, we have a podcast today on feelings at Christmas. Let me tell you a story about how this podcast came about. Mm-hmm. So if you follow me around, you'll realize that I really like to shop at Let Market. It's just down the hill from my house, and I pop in, oh, probably every two to three days for sure. Get some bread or some apples or something like that. So I was there last week, and I was just talking with the cashiers, because I always do, and I just asked them, these two women, I said, so what do you like about Christmas? And uh, one looked at me, and she said, I love the feeling of Christmas. And I was a bit taken aback because I thought, oh, she'd tell me something like love the food or the family gatherings or the presents or the Stanley Park train or something. I was expecting one of those. She said, no, I like the feeling. I said, what, what do you mean by the feeling of Christmas? She said, well, I like how light I feel and how happy mm. I feel for the whole Christmas season. She says, I wish we could feel this way all year long. Mm. People are happier. She feels happier. Mm-hmm. She just loves this feeling. So I thought, well, she's right. I mean, this is a good thing, this Christmas season mm-hmm. and the feelings around it. So I thought, well, maybe we could share just briefly around the table here. What do we like about Christmas in terms of what makes you feel good or your family feel good? Sure. Well, for our family, one thing that we've done with our kids is the um, 
the Christmas baskets that a family in need maybe needs, oh, or mm-hmm. or you make more of a point to invite people over that mm-hmm. might not have a home to go to or a family to go to, and that makes me feel good. Like I I don't want to not do it because I'm. Have I'm, mixed motivations. I have mixed motivations, right? Like it does make us feel good to yeah. be able to give. Yes. And even buying gifts and giving gifts, it does mm-hmm. help us. It helps us to feel yeah. good. Yeah. Ties us to one another. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What I, else? I love having big family gatherings. It's fun to me. I grew up like that. Huge okay. extended family. And to me, it doesn't quite feel like Christmas unless you have like minimum 15 people in a room oh. up to possibly 40. Okay. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. Even though I wouldn't, I wouldn't host it. <laughs> As an adult, that does seem frightening to me now, but like it still feels like, yeah, that's Christmas. That's what it is. Yeah. I like some of the fun events of Christmas. So Mark's mom's birthday is right close to Christmas. So the last few years, we've decided to do something, sort of an experience as a big mm. extended family because she's older now and has sort of everything she wants and needs. And so we've decided to do something. That's so the last two years, we were at Van Dusen and went for dinner beforehand. Yeah. And that was beautiful and great. And this year, we're going to try Fly Over Vancouver. Oh, yeah. The movie. Cool. At, yeah. At Canada Place. Yeah. And yeah. go for dinner beforehand. So I've never been to that movie, but I hear good things. So yeah. And apparently, there's a Christmas version or something special about it at cool. Christmas. Oh. They said. I don't know. I saw advertisements yeah. on it. So. Okay, well, I'll experience that. The light I, maze. I'm pretty sure that will contribute to a good feeling at Christmas. Okay, the Crystal. Light, the light maze is oh. supposed yeah. to be amazing. Oh. Yeah, that enchant. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, my daughter went to it last weekend. There's some people from Northview who are involved in starting it. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, it's by Olympic Village. Yeah. It definitely has the light feeling, mm-hmm. the cheerful feeling. <laughs> I think for me, the traditions are fun, like having the same things that you do every year. It builds that feeling of familiarity and even just going out and getting the Christmas tree together. Yeah. We always get a live tree, um, even though we usually fight about which one is the best <laughs> one. <laughs> but those kind of things, of the things that you can count on. Mm-hmm. I give my kids every morning in their cereal bowl a chocolate-covered almond, and we call it our Christmas pills. And people think that's <laughs> hilarious that we have these multivitamins that are actually chocolates, but <laughs> it's kind of a fun thing that they rely on. I gave them each. At school, there, Jessica and Trevor, or Clayton are away this year, and so they each got a, the set amount of Christmas pills until they got home. <laughs> That's cute. One <laughs> That's a day. Really yeah, cute. one a day. Yeah, so those kind of things that just build that familiarity of um, kind of feeling home or feeling like you're part of a, a tradition. Yeah. It's fun to pull out ornaments and be like, oh, yeah, we got this eight years ago, or this is from that time. It's fun to see them. They're bright and twinkly and pretty. Yeah. yeah, and the Christmas services are great. Carol singing is good. Mm-hmm. Like those kind of things, right, that just are uplifting. Yeah. So then the question comes in, what if we don't feel this light, happy feeling at Christmas? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because we've all been, you know, at times when it hasn't felt so great at Christmas. And we're going to share some of those stories. Or maybe we've worked with or have friends that aren't Mm -hmm. in that space. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that a little bit. What can we do if we're not feeling? What What is that like? One of my first Christmases where I didn't feel like Christmas is when Kevin and I moved overseas. We were living in a very hot country. That was the hottest time of year. Uh, Nothing about it felt like Christmas. We had this fluorescent green fake tree that was only about three feet, two feet tall (laughs) on a wooden frame. It was like Charlie Brown to the max, which I had better photos of it. Um, And we are not with any of our extended family. It felt very forlorn Mm -hmm. and um, strange and yeah, that was weird to not have all the extended family because yeah. we always, both of us come from big families and we associated Christmas with big family gatherings and we're here we were all by ourselves. Yeah. But every year that we were there, we just gathered whatever other expatriates who felt forlorn and we just got together. We'd always have like 20 people around our table and we had a great time mixing traditions like European friends, South American friends, all mixing their traditions together at that table. That's How fun. many Christmases did you do that? We did that six Christmases. Okay. Yeah. 
one year my parents came to visit us, so that was a little bit different. Yeah. But to be still, yeah, still different place. And yeah, yeah. yeah. By then we had learned that we don't try to recreate. And my mom was still like, can't we recreate? And I was like, no, we don't recreate anymore. We just do <laughs> steaks. All new things. Yeah. <laughs> okay, someone else. Well, when I was seven years old, um, I woke up Christmas morning and my mom wasn't there. She had gone to the hospital because her brother had gotten in a bike accident and got hit by a car. And so we grew up going to church Christmas Day morning, and my dad took us to church. And we, we were kind of fuzzy on the details. They didn't tell us a lot. Mm. Um, but my sister and I both had long hair, and our hair wasn't really Sunday morning, Christmas Day ready. And so people knew was something was charge. up. Yeah. yeah. People were like, what's going on? And I remember seeing my dad cry at the front of the church. I'm like, something's, something's off. And this was Christmas, right? Um, my uncle did pass away that Christmas Day. Mm. So, so he hadn't died yet? He hadn't died. But he did that day. He yeah. did that day, yeah. So that... That was a very different Christmas. I, I know that they tried their best to still make it a fun Christmas for us kids. But then the next Christmas was also hard because it was the anniversary of his yeah. death. And um, yeah, dealing with grief at Christmas can be really hard because it's a time where you have good feelings and then sad feelings all mixed yeah. together. And those sad feelings somehow get heightened a little yeah, bit. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And because we, you feel like it should just be a joyous time. Your expectations mm -hmm, are different right. than what it should be like. And yet you have memories of Christmases of past. And if people are no longer with you, um, they're heightened, right? Yeah. yeah. We go every Christmas season now. My dad passed away now eight years ago. So that's a, another mm -hmm. person that's missing at our Christmas dinner table. Yeah. Right? You look around and over the years, people disappear. They're yeah. not mm -hmm. there. That's yeah. true. It's very sad. Yeah. 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 Last night, I was at the Mission Christmas Party. Crystal and the Women's Ministry were hosting yeah. it. it so and um, I had the privilege of visiting with a few of the women that come from Glory House, which is a recovery center for um, people who are dealing with addictions. And so a, a few of the women were crying in the hallway, rightfully so. You know, one that I talked with has only been sober for five days, new to Glory House, uh, away from her family and her kids at Christmas, grieving her own choices that have got her to mm -hmm. this point, grieving the fact that it's Christmas and she's away from her family and with new people in the home that she doesn't know and, and roommates she has to live with and has to live bedroom. with. And, yeah. you know, so a lot of pain around Christmas and a number of the women that I talked with are on different levels of that. Mm. And I just felt like how hard this is at Christmas now. Yeah. And for her own self, she wasn't sure if she could actually make it, make the journey of becoming sober, right? Yes. Five Having days in, distrust in her own new. self, not yeah. knowing whether she was actually, if the sacrifice was going to be worth it. Yeah. I think that's what mm. she was feeling too, right? Yeah. I would also say personally, I've also had, though, like Sarah, I had um, a number of years ago, my brother passed away. It's been 17 years now. But I remember that first Christmas and the first, I would say the first four were particularly difficult. Mm -hmm. As you remember that person, my brother, that's not at the Christmas mm -hmm. table. And, and what is that like? And my parents are grieving and you're trying desperately to kind of come up with some kind of lighthearted feelings and have a good time, but it's very weighted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We also had what we term in our family the funny Christmas which is when in the middle of December I went in the hospital on bed rest very unexpectedly Kevin was working out of town at the time so he had to rush back to oh, the yeah. Vancouver area and I was at Royal Columbia and so I'm quite a drive away from the rest yeah. of my family and yeah. I was alone there for a month wow. until I delivered this baby and we yeah we called it the funny Christmas and so many other things went wrong in that couple of weeks as well 
Um, but Kevin brought the kids on Christmas Eve and we had takeout dinner and they each, Kevin had brought a present for each of them to unwrap with me on my bed. And it was just the funny Christmas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sad yeah. and good all Nothing at the same time. Nothing was what it was supposed to be. No. Yeah, we had, um, so my young, my youngest Trevor is a twin and, uh, we, when I was um, pregnant with them, we, we knew that there's trouble with one of the twins. Um, and so I actually gave birth to his brother, Alex, who was stillborn September 6th, mm. but they were due on November 24th. And so we mm. had a funeral for Alex on November 24th, uh, just a month before Christmas. And so mm. it was that whole process of thinking I was going to go into Christmas with these twins and how yeah, I was going right. to deal with it. And then actually going into Christmas with this one preemie baby, Trevor was born two months early. So had all kinds of just concerns about how he was going to be and then grieving the loss of his brother. And it was just one of those moments where I remember going through the Christmas services and every time I would be in church then, I would be crying as I was worshiping because I wanted wanted to believe in God and his promises and the fact that he loved me and cared for me even in the midst of this time. But for my heart to get involved, I had to cry Mm because I couldn't, like my heart couldn't get there, you know, in a joyful way, right? And so it was a decision that I had to make to still worship him in the midst of that yeah. time. And so, yeah, you go through those seasons where it's not your heart that's giving you the good emotions, but you have to decide yeah. whether you're going to follow God in the mm-hmm. middle of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like what you said there, Crystal, about choosing to go to church anyway and cry. Just the past couple of weeks, I've had a few people that I've met with and I've said, please come to church, sit at the back and cry the whole service if you need to, mm-hmm. bring your Kleenex and leave early if you need to. But be here and cry. And I actually know on Saturday night people that are crying during the service because I know some of the issues that they're working with. And we want to work through them with our community if we can, or at least with God, because he knows and he cares. But anyway, I'm heading into the Bible study portion. I love the fact that when you were talking to that woman, you were saying, well, so-and-so is sitting over there and he's crying. (laughs) Because you know your congregation. Because you're always there on Saturday night. And you know who's out there crying. I know. I just love that. And it showed me that you have that pastoral heart for these people in your group. Awesome. Well, I want them to know there's more than one person crying, that they're not the only weird one. They no, feel weird in the service. The no, they're not. No. And we're talking about our past Christmases where we have been the ones crying. And I probably will be again, as we all mm-hmm. will probably be yeah. again. In grief and in isolation. Yeah. And in frustration with self. And, and health and issues mm-hmm. and financial issues yeah. and wayward kids possibly. <laughs> you know, hopefully not, but yeah. possibly. We don't know. Yeah. We don't or know. merging a step family. Yeah. That, yeah. What? That's a whole another conversation. Yeah. Yeah. That was your experience. <clears throat> so when I am working with people who are going through these tough things, we also want to remind each other of the truth of scripture. And I was reading a book recently. It's called um, Instruments in the Redeemer's Hand by Paul Tripp. And I came across this one section that I started to do for my own personal study and then realized it would make a really great podcast. So when we're in the midst of suffering and hard feelings, and yet it's Christmas and we want to feel light... What do we remind ourselves of? And this one section in the book talks about four things. We need to remind ourselves that God is sovereign over all things, that God is good, that he has a purpose for our suffering, and the Bible explains why we suffer. And so we're going to go through that, the four of us. We're going to start with each title and read a couple of verses just to highlight that for you. I have more verses because the book has more verses. If you (laughs) like more, you're very welcome to email me. And I now have a very simple email. It's just T-S. Ooh. At northview.org. I know. Oh. Don't have to spell Thalia. Don't have or to spell Sawatsky. Do nothing. T-S. What if somebody uses your old email? That works too. Yeah, you'll still get I it. have two emails. <laughs> I'm so <All> privileged. Right. 
<laughs> or you, you could e- you could email care at northview.org and oh. you still get me. Wow. I know. You're you. everywhere. <laughs> I'm everywhere. For the muck. Okay, let's start that off with yes. uh, a reading from Isaiah. And this one speaks right to creation, which is mm-hmm. a great place to start. Isaiah 45, 7. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. Yeah, that's a tough one. It does all these things. But if we look right back to the beginning in Genesis, I mean, if you go through that first chapter of seeing everything he creates, this mm-hmm. is his his world. Yes. Yeah. His creation. Yeah, so we affirm his sovereignty over all things kind of in the world and then also over events that happen. And so Acts 4, verses 27 to 28, is talking about, it's Peter's um, preaching, I guess, about what happened to Jesus. He says, For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Mm-hmm. So this is part of a longer context of a passage if you want to read it. But basically what Peter's affirming here is that the people of Israel were gathered against Jesus and they created or they did this horrible thing to him. They crucified him and tried him. But all of that still was under God's sovereignty. God could have stopped it, but he chose not to for his purposes, for his plan, in order to redeem us all, in order Mm -hmm. for him to establish salvation. And Mm -hmm. so the principle that comes from that is the things that we experience it may be awful things that are done to us or happen to us, but they're still under God's sovereign plan for mm-hmm. what he's doing in the world, what he's doing in our lives. Mm-hmm. And the second one is that God is good. So first is he's sovereign over all, and then he's good. We have some verses for this. Yeah, so this truth, I think, can be hard when we are suffering or yeah. when we are grieving to really believe that God is good yeah. Yeah. through it all, right? Um, but Psalm 34, verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. So we can't just wait and and kind of think that God will show us he's good. We need to acknowledge he's good and and look in God's word to learn that he is good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Playing on that taste and see idea. Yeah. Like we need to be active participants we in do. that. Yeah. We do, we do, yeah. And Psalm 100 verse five, I love this verse, for the Lord is good. It's just declaring mm-hmm. what the Lord is, right? The Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. And I think when we are in the midst of struggles at any time of the year, these verses to just daily declare them, even though you might not feel, feel this them. way, yeah, yeah. Th- they can help yeah. just ground you and build your foundation in who God is. It's yeah. like a reset yeah. button for me. Like when it's when it feels like everything in the world is like crashing reset, go back to what do I know is true? And yeah. these are the things. Absolutely. And then God has a purpose in our suffering. And sometimes we don't know that. You know, I'm, people who come to meet with me don't realize that God has a purpose in our suffering. So let's look at a couple of verses from that. Okay, I'm going to read Second Corinthians 1 verses 3 to 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Mm-hmm. It's very wordy. The word <laughs> comfort repeated yeah. quite a bit. So the theme there is comfort. But it, when we go through something, then we are equipped to bear that burden with another person. And yeah, understand so the pain, understand how to get through it. Yeah. So the purpose of the suffering there is to 
when we've been comforted by God, use that comfort that we've received from God to comfort other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So we can walk along. I can walk alongside a mother who's lost a baby now. Other yeah. people have, can walk alongside people in different ways because yeah. you right. can say I've been there and I can comfort mm-hmm. you because I've been comforted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even if the scenario is not exactly the same, no. we understand the feelings. Yeah. The grieving feelings like Sarah and I can can identify with. We can understand the fear and the uncertainty and the, the loneliness and that other people, even if the scenario isn't exactly the same. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, James 1, 2 to 4 is another verse that speaks to this, um, the purpose in our suffering. So it reads like this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So this talks about the fact that suffering and trials build character in us. Mm -hmm. They rub off our rough edges. They make us into the kind of people that can be firm uh, in the world. And so as much as we don't like it, I know I have grown the most personally in the midst of difficult times because mm-hmm. it helps me realize when my foundation's on shaky ground, you know, makes me want to look for that solid ground again. All those yeah. different images of, yeah, it just does something to you. It, it gets rid of stuff that's maybe extraneous in your life that you don't need because yeah. you realize what's really important. Yeah. And then the last title, the Bible explains why we suffer. And so if we read the Bible from beginning to end, there's lots of verses. We're going to read a few. Um, The first one is, um, for Crystal, you do the first one. Yeah. Basically, we just need to acknowledge that we don't live in heaven yet. And so when we are here on this earth, if we have expectations that this earth is going to be heaven, we're going to be disappointed. Mm -hmm. So we need our expectations to be adjusted to the fact that we live in a fallen world, that it is plagued by disease, injuries, natural disasters. These are going to be part of what we experience. Yeah. Uh, We're not immune from that. So John 16, verse 33 reads, In this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Yeah. And in 2 Corinthians 4, 16, Paul talks about the fact that our outer self is wasting away. But he goes on to say our inner self can be renewed day by day. Yeah. Right? So it's the idea that we will face situations that are going to tax us, be beyond Mm -hmm. our control. But Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean we have to be hopeless in the midst of it. Yeah. Well, we also suffer because of our choices. And because of what others sometimes do against us. And the Bible tells us this in James 4, verses 1 to 3. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? It is not this, that your passions are at war with you. You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So we don't always get what we want, no. right? <laughs> and we don't God, always want the right things. <laughs> and we don't always want the right things. It can be our motivations. Um, and we see this applied in our life in very simple ways, right? I see my kids quarrel yeah. and actually physically hurt each other. Yes. And there's some suffering uh-huh. caused because of that, right? That At a very like elementary level. Yeah. But we see it play out in our lives in in bigger consequences. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And we also suffer because of Satan. First Peter eight and nine, eight verse nine, um, says, be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Yeah. We have to acknowledge that we have an enemy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a reason. Well, sometimes in church, yeah. we don't really, really want to talk about Satan. No. We like to just pretend that it's about being nice to others. 
I don't mean necessarily here at North <laughs> I think we get a pretty good grasp of that here. But I mean, in Christian culture, yeah. there's a lot about like, this is nice for me. This feels good. This is, but whoa, there's Satan. Hello. He's yeah. a devil, a, a, a lion that's prowling, yeah. trying to devour, trying to m- get more disruption, yeah. Yeah. more sinfulness happening. Chaos. Yeah. So we need to pray against that. Yeah. yeah. And the last reason is that we suffer because of God's good purpose, which is hard to grasp. God is refining us through suffering. So Isaiah 48.10 says this, Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. Mm-hmm. And elsewhere in the Bible, where it talks about how we are being sanctified, which is being made holy. And God has a purpose to make us more like him. And some of that comes through hard times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's that image throughout Scripture, too, of like gold being refined in a fire, right? Yeah. Where things are heated up and then all the impurities mm-hmm. just melt off it. Yeah. That's that idea of the fire of affliction, of suffering, mm-hmm. does that. Yeah. We used to sing that song, Purify My Heart. Yes, right. <laughs> yeah. There you go. 80s yeah. coming. Refiner's fire. Yeah, Refiner's fire. But it, there's truth to it. It yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to move from the truth of the Bible study to a few practical pieces. And we have ideas about how can we work this out in everyday life when we are not feeling good in the Christmas season for whatever reason or variety of reasons that you're feeling. Okay, so who jump in, somebody. Well, I like what you said, Thalia, about wallowing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's time to wallow, to yes. have tears and snot for a bit. Yeah. It's okay to cry sometimes. It is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I tell people a lot on this podcast, it's okay to have a pity yeah. party. You know, put the timer on if you need to, like 20 minutes, have a full-on pity party, and then dry your tears and if keep the, going. If this is your first Christmas without a loved one, oh. and those those yeah. feelings are heightened, right? Yeah. If you suppress them, like, you're going to completely come unraveled <laughs> yeah. Christmas Day, right? Yeah. You yeah. need to give yourself some time yeah. to be a little bit upset, to be sad. Well, it's that okay. person is worth grieving yes. for, yeah. even if it's been many years. Like, we still grieve over my brother mm-hmm. 17 of years course. later. He's not here at Christmas. And we all should, whether it's a new loss or yeah. a long loss, we need to grieve the people. Yeah. And like yeah. the people at Glory House, they should be grieving their choices and grieving that they're not with their kids and grieving the yeah. fact that they're with new people in a different city. Like, it's all painful. It's okay to cry about that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sometimes those kind of things, when it is our own choices, the grieving is actually a good kick in the butt to say, yeah. actually, I don't want to be back here again. Yes. <laughs> right? This yeah. is too painful. I want to get yeah. out of here. Yeah. So the grieving isn't a bad thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was thinking, I think it was Crystal, the verse you read, and it was reminding me of being heaven focused Mm. so despite the pain despite the suffering because that's a here and now thing but to be focused on what is what is coming where we have a heavenly home someday and we're we're trying to be working towards his glory and that's i mean sometimes that's not our immediate way of thinking Mm -hmm. but that's where we ought to be focusing yeah yeah so it's that piece about reminding ourselves of the truth right being in bible study uh, we put some Advent readings up on the Northview Women Facebook page mm-hmm. if you don't know how or where to access information on Advent mm-hmm. readings, just to remind yourself of the truth of what Christmas is all about and the amazing thing that happened at the first Christmas. Yeah. Um, whether that's worship songs too, even so many of the Christmas carols, I've been impressed just recently thinking through the theology as we've been seeing yes. it on Sunday morning. Like It was interesting to go from a sermon on forgiveness to Christmas carols. But the Christmas carols totally tied in. I was like, oh, yeah. I hadn't really seen all that forgiveness theme oh, yeah. in that carol before. Yeah. Right? They're so rich. Yeah. 
I came across uh, an article about a new book that just came out. Tim Keller wrote a book called Hidden Christmas, which I haven't read yet, but I would recommend it just because... Did you say hidden, like as in hidden? Hidden Hidden Christmas. Hidden Christmas. Oh, I have to read that. And and one of the things he says is Christmas is familiar, but it isn't tame. There's Mm. actually some deep theological, amazing truths about Christmas and how God was sent to earth as a baby. as Jesus, right? And what does that actually mean for us? And we have this secular idea of Christmas that even as Christians, we, we think is okay, that Christmas is all about family and getting together as a family. And that's okay that Christmas involves family, but that's not actually what Christmas is about. Hmm. Right. And so this book, just reading the article about it, helped me realize again, that the feelings about Christmas that I might have don't really matter huh. unless they're focused <laughs> on celebrating what actually happened at right. Christmas so many years ago. Yeah. My feelings are not really what it's about. One part of this book talks about that the Bible doesn't say from the world a light has dawned, but it says upon the world a light has dawned. Oh. Mm -hmm. And the point is that the world is a dark place that needs salvation to come from outside of it. This means the end of cheery statements like, if we all pull together, we can make the world a better place. (laughs) Because no, we can't. We don't actually have what it takes. Hmm. Like Jesus did that. And it's such a good reminder for me if I'm starting to feel like, well, we're actually moving December 15th, right? So Christmas is a little in boxes. (laughs) Christmas is in boxes this year. And and I can start to feel a little sad for my kids that the tree isn't up, that we're not putting lights on the house, any of that. But I'm like, you know what? That's actually not what Christmas is about. And I've kind of changed my mind on it a little and go, this is a neat opportunity this month of December in boxes from one house to another to actually focus on that. Yeah, the music's great. The lights are great. The tree is great. All of that can add to a good feeling of Christmas, but Mm -hmm. it's not really what it's about. Yeah. So you are showing a flexible attitude towards Christmas. Thank you, (laughs) Erin. I think that's what we've... Today I am. (laughs) Good good for you for today. You can have your pity party tomorrow. Maybe. Put the timer on. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what I kind of figured out a little bit of when I have wallowed sometimes and gone, oh, this doesn't feel like Christmas, is that we can't always have Christmas exactly the same. If you Every single year, the tradition cannot look always the same because you will lose some people. You will have people who move away. It's just that's how life goes. I am in multiple step families because <laughs> both of my parents remarried, although the one side, my dad's gone now, so I don't really have a lot to do with them. But um I do have a step family that I'm always around. Um, th- and we've had, we had to merge our Christmas traditions somehow. Mm-hmm. And it was lurchy for like 10 years. Oh, it might yeah. even still be lurchy. I'm not sure. If they're listening, they may think it's still very lurchy. <laughs> um, but we, there's that. Or somebody moves away. Like you just, like in a step family thing, you sometimes have to do Christmas on a different day. Yeah. Like it's, mom yeah. doesn't get to see the kids. I know so many families where mom isn't with the kids or dad isn't with the kids on Christmas Day yeah. and they have to divide their time. That's really awkward. So y- you have to be flexible. Can Christmas be on the 18th? Sure. Totally. Yeah. Do it. it doesn't It's not the tradition, yeah. but let it be. Make the moment when you've got it and with whoever's there. I have a story about that. I have an uncle in town, my dad's oldest brother. He's in his 80s. 
totally capable and able. And he has pulled together a number of the people at his church that don't have anywhere to go on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. And they have a lunch potluck at their church. And my uncle prepares the turkey because he's a widow and he's learned to make the turkey because all these people need something to mm-hmm. do on Christmas. Like, I'm so proud of him and their group. So that's pretty wow. cool. Mm-hmm. I love that. I know. That's so good. I know. Yeah. You expect that from, you don't expect that from an 88-year-old widower. No. Right? You expect it from some groups of people, <laughs> no. but that's just kind of a little bit outside the Such box. Such a good yeah, example. Like, I know. It's so great. I hope that when my yeah. kids are like grown and married and Leighton and I are like by ourselves on Christmas Day, that we that we do that. We look outside of ourselves. Yeah. We look outside of, oh, I wish our kids were with us. Instead yeah. of just wishing it could be a certain way, like make it different. Be flexible. Like yeah. what you said, Erin. Yeah. Be like your uncle. Yeah. Just cook a turkey and I invite know. people. I know. Right? <laughs> I know. Yeah. I think the thing that's great about that article, I read a little bit too about what the Sarah article um, about Kim Timothy. Keller's new book uh, that she sent us. But he points out in the fact of that article too that Christmas was a messy situation in the sense that Jesus' whole mm-hmm. genealogy was messy. And so if you read the whole story of Matthew with all the names, you'll see in there Uriah's wife, who's Bathsheba, right? Who is a whole big story in herself. Mm-hmm. And you hear the story of Rahab, who was a prostitute. And you have the story of Ruth, who was an outsider. Mm-hmm. And you have all these, and Tamar, who was an incestual situation. And so we have to realize like our heritage as Christians, our, our earthly heritage was full of people that had messy situations that were redeemed by God to be part of his big plan. And so all of us, as we go through messy situations with messy people and we're messy ourselves, Mm -hmm. it doesn't disqualify us from being part of what God's doing here on earth, um, which was part of the Christmas season and and all year long. So, yeah. And I think that would be my encouragement to the people that are listening is to have the messy people around. It might be your child or your, some, your aunt, your uncle, your brother or sister, somebody who's leading a messy life but like, don't cut off connection with them. If you mm-hmm. can in any way have some kind of bridge to them, whether it's delivering flowers or taking them out for coffee or having them over for a meal, regardless of how messy their life is, that would be so great. Yeah. Crystal, would you mind praying for us as we sure. close up? Sounds good. <clears throat> Lord, I thank you so much uh, that you came to this earth as a baby, as a very fragile human being that could not care for yourself. Um, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you um, submitted yourself to everything that we submit our, that we are um, experiencing, I guess, to grief, to pain, to rejection, to hunger, to sorrow, all these things for our good and for your glory. Thank you, Lord, that you enacted this amazing plan of salvation through coming here. And Lord, I thank you that that's what Christmas is all about, that you stepped into the world as a baby. Uh, you showed us what God is like. Uh, You lived a life among us, a perfect life. You died on our behalf, and we can be with you eternally because of it. So, Lord, I pray that as we go through this Christmas season, that you will remind us of the rich truths of Christmas, of what you did for us, um, of who we can be because of what you did for us. I pray, Lord, that we would look outside ourselves to the needs of other people around us, that we would be willing to reach out to them with the love that you've given to us, that you would comfort, allow us to be comfort to those who are in affliction. Mm-hmm. And Lord, if there are people listening to this podcast who uh, just need a, a loving hand and a caring heart around them, Lord, we pray that you would provide people uh, to be their safe place over this Christmas season. Lord, we pray that you would help them to reach out to people to express how they're feeling um, and to get help uh, if they need it. So we pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Christmas this year.